English actor Ian Hart says that there's a theory that if you gave a million monkeys typewriters and set them all to work, they'd eventually come up with the complete works of William Shakespeare. Yet, as he goes on to say, thanks to the internet, we know that this simply isn't true. Hello and welcome to As the Crow Flies, a podcast for anyone working in maritime ministry. My name's Lance Lucan and today we're going to delve into the world of digital chaplaincy and ways in which the internet can be used as a ministry tool particularly during difficult times. We will look at the pros and the cons of online platforms, and then I will offer some tips and tricks as well, all in the aim of helping us to be better at what we do, so that we can, in turn, be more effective in helping the lives of seafarers and those we work with. So buckle in, join me on the journey as the crow flies. In my last year of high school, all of the seniors went on a camp. The idea behind the camp was to prepare us for the year ahead as senior students in the school, but also to help to prepare us for what came after high school and when it had finished. On the evening of the third day, we were told to meet the camp instructors in the hall with a sleeping bag, a torch, some warm clothes and a raincoat. We were then given a small amount of dry food and some trail mix. We were told that we were going to be blindfolded then dropped off one at a time along a forest road where we would spend the night alone on a solo expedition. We were not expected to hike anywhere. Rather, once we were dropped off, we were just to find a place to sleep for the night and stay there for about 18 hours. Excitedly, we put on our blindfolds and got into the vehicles. At first, there was a lot of hilarity and hijinks as the vehicle wound its way along a forest road. Then, one by one, we were let out and left by the side of the road. Once the vehicle departed, we were allowed to remove our blindfold and set up for the night. I vividly remember how excited I was to be able to show everyone how calmly I could cope. But after setting up my bivouac and getting myself ready for the long night ahead, I suddenly realised how very alone I was and how very small I was in the vast forest. I felt totally isolated and totally alone. Now this was well and truly before the days of cell phones or the internet, Not that that would have made any difference because there was no reception where I was in the middle of the forest. As such, I was completely cut off with no way of communicating with anyone at all, my family, my friends, no one. And it was unnerving to say the least. For me, this experience lasted for less than 24 hours. Yet for modern day seafarers, lack of communication with their loved ones is almost an everyday part of life. But what happens in times of crisis? When the world is faced with a pandemic, when communication is even harder to manage because access to Wi-Fi becomes restricted. Sometime in November 2019, people started getting sick in Wuhan, China. What was first thought to be just a bad flu quickly turned into a global pandemic. And at the recording of this episode, over 330,000 people have died worldwide from COVID-19. While each nation approached the pandemic in its own way, The answer for many was to enact some form of social or physical distancing, and ultimately complete lockdown in many cases. Nowhere on earth did this have a more focused impact than on the global maritime fleet, where in many jurisdictions seafarers became prisoners on their own ships. They were either denied shore leave for fear of catching or passing on the deadly virus. At the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, there was of course considerable focus on cruise ships particularly the plight of passengers. Governments around the world closed their ports to cruise ships and refused to allow passengers to disembark. 
Well, while all cruise passengers are now safely ashore, many of those who work on cruise ships are not, with an estimated 100,000 cruise ship workers currently stranded around the world. Of course, the same is true for workers on cargo ships. There are an estimated 1.6 million seafarers working on board various types of ships around the world. We know that these men and women are responsible for transporting over 90% of the world's trade, from the food that we eat to the clothes that we wear, pretty much everything we own or use. And while most of us were forced to go home to practice some form of social isolation, the majority of the world's seafarers have been required to continue to work as crew changes became impossible. Going home for the majority was simply not an option. On the surface, all seems well. Goods are still flowing and ships are still sailing, but the men and women who are transporting these goods are struggling. In a normal month, approximately 100,000 seafarers leave their ships and are replaced by others at the end of their contracts. But these crew changes have all but been cancelled, either by governments around the world or by the ship owners themselves. Getting home for crew has become a problem. It is estimated that somewhere in the vicinity of 150,000 seafarers are currently waiting to go home, stranded aboard, held in limbo. Now while seafarers normally live and work aboard for months at a time, navigating the ship, maintaining its machinery, loading and discharging cargo at ports around the world, it would be easy to assume that they are used to social isolation. But we know that isolation and lack of contact with family and home at the best of times are two of the leading causes of stress for those working in the maritime sector. This was highlighted in some fairly extensive research into seafarer mental health and well-being conducted by the Seafarers International Research Centre at Cardiff University and published in 2019. This research reinforced the impact that months without contact at home can have on a seafarer's mental state. So how can we help seafarers at times like this? When greater isolation is imposed and less shore leave is possible, and how might the lessons that we've learnt during this time of isolation impact our ministry going forward? In response to the externally imposed isolation of crews, the mission to seafarers, working closely in partnership with ICMA, the International Christian Maritime Association, launched an online chat to a chaplain messenger service in order to provide remote support both for seafarers and their families wishing to speak to a chaplain during these unprecedented times. This project, which has been funded in part by Seafarers UK, is led by the Mission to Seafarers and offers online support from a global network of port chaplains who are currently unable to provide their normal face-to-face -face chaplaincy services due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has also seen a significant number of seafarer welfare facilities unable to function as well. Sadly, many centres simply will not survive the current economic downturn of the pandemic, which will mean fewer welfare supports when things return to whatever the new normal will be, and more hardship for seafarers seeking connections with home. Where possible, of course, the mission to seafarers is continuing with ship visits, but only as far as the gangway, and with the highest provision given to hygiene, personal protection, and physical distancing. However, the inevitable limitations of typical port welfare provision leave seafarers feeling even more isolated and less able to support and communicate with their families. All at a time when seafarers are facing very significant widened challenges of their own, not to mention the understandable worry that they have for their own families trapped back at home. Chat to a Chaplain is staffed around the clock by chaplains and other key maritime welfare workers, working remotely across the globe. 
who are able to provide free, confidential support to seafarers and their families. Chat to a chaplain gives seafarers access to online counselling. Advice on issues to do with COVID-19, concerns over extensions of contracts and issues with repatriation. Family support and referrals to the Mission to Seafarers Family Network in the Philippines. Spiritual support or referral to a chaplain in a local area who might be able to arrange a gangway visit or some other interaction via a local shipping agent. In speaking about the program, the Reverend Canon Andrew Wright, Secretary General of the Mission to Seafarers and Chairman of ICMA said, Providing a digital alternative to the usual support networks and channels is essential to enhancing remote welfare services, particularly where Wi-Fi is available, to help ensure seafarers are supported during these uniquely challenging times. In collaborating with other maritime charities, we will ensure this platform is providing the best service possible to those on the front line of international trade. While we know that digital chaplaincy will never replace the major benefits of face-to-face interactions with seafarers, it does mean that we will be able to make our services more widely available to seafarers and provide support around the world at any time, day or night. Now, while Chat to a Chaplain is a new platform, the reality is that digital chaplaincy is not new, particularly in the maritime sector. Chaplains and Seafarer Centre staff have utilised social media and real-time messaging apps like WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger for many years, not to mention programmes like Skype and FaceTime. So what are the pros and cons of using these types of digital platforms? And in this time of increased isolation, what are the things we need to consider when embracing this type of technology? Firstly, the pros. Obviously, the greatest advantage of utilising something like chat to a chaplain is the immediacy of it. Because of the fact that chat to a chaplain is staffed 24-7, seafarers have ready and immediate access to help when they need it. In addition, because the service is global, location is not an issue. The seafarer does not need to be in the same location as the person helping them on the other end of the line, so to speak. This means that seafarers can access the service from anywhere at any time, and in a time like this, having that ready access to support is essential. However, here is the first major con or disadvantage of this or any other internet-based service. It requires some form of internet connectivity, which, as we know, is not always available on board ships or in every port. For chat to a chaplain or any other digital chaplaincy to work, it needs a connection to Wi-Fi and a network. However, where Wi-Fi is available, this means that seafarers can get access to immediate help. And this is probably the key advantage of something like chat to a chaplain. Other forms of digital chaplaincy like FaceTime or WhatsApp aren't always as immediate because they aren't always being monitored 24-7. Where a local chaplain or centre has a Facebook account, they can engage when they are awake and active, but there are times in the day when they simply can't be available and this leaves the seafarer wondering if anyone is there. Which highlights another major disadvantage of any digital platform that isn't monitored 24-7 and that's around expectation. You see, Because we all live in a digitally enabled world most of the time, we expect instant replies to our texts or emails, and when they don't come, we can become despondent. We expect a reply now. For seafarers who are feeling isolated and anxious, sending a message asking for help that isn't responded to in a timely fashion is likely to cause added concern or harm, and can have a negative impact on their mental health. So digital chaplaincy, while it is a great alternative to -to face-to-face ministry where this is not possible, needs to be accessible and available and staffed 24-7 if it's going to be effective. 
Because digital chaplaincy can occur anytime and can be accessed anywhere, then this makes it a convenient and immediate access to help. Seafarers aren't having to wait for a chaplain or the ship visitor to arrive on board, or having to wait till they get to a centre or a flying angel club. They can get help right from the mess room or their own quarters. Another key advantage is that it can be anonymous. The seafarer can ask for guidance and support without needing to tell anyone who they are or what ship they are on. This can be helpful in some situations, but obviously not if the issue is serious or life-threatening. Digital chaplaincy, particularly a text-based service like Chat to a Chaplain, can be done almost anywhere without anyone knowing that the conversation is even occurring. For instance, a seafarer could be sitting in a crowded mess chatting with a chaplain, and no one else in the room is even aware that they're doing so. And this can be hugely helpful in some situations, and may mean that seafarers are able to seek help that they might not be able to do with a face-to-face -face encounter because others will see them talking to that chaplain or that ship visitor. So what are some of the other cons or disadvantages? Well, as the Reverend Canon Andrew Wright, Secretary General of the Mission to Seafarers, says, digital chaplaincy will never replace the major benefits of face-to-face -face interactions with seafarers. And this is one of the major cons. Digital chaplaincy isn't always able to be face-to-face. -face. Sure, some video platforms can be utilised, but more often than not, we will be communicating with seafarers via text or email or some other form of instant messaging service. And we know that text is a very different medium to voice. Right now you're hearing me speak. You can pick up on some of the clues as to how I am speaking, as to how I might be feeling. There's tone and emphasis to my voice. You'll be able to tell if I'm angry or sad or seemingly okay. However, what you aren't able to access right now is how I'm looking. Of course I look stunning, but I digress. You have no indication as to my body language or overall appearance. You see, as human beings we gain a lot of information about others through non-verbal cues. In fact, one UCLA study found that 58% of communication is through body language, 35% through vocal tone, pitch and emphasis, and a mere 7% through the content of the message. Right now you have access to about 42% of my communication with the remaining 58% of how I'm communicating my body language being missing. So when we are relying on text only, then it isn't always as easy for us to understand what is trying to be said, because we only have access to about 7% of the information, the content, without any emotion, without any vocal tone, without any body language. This is only exacerbated when the person communicating via text doesn't speak the same language as us, particularly when English is not their first language. Now to overcome some of this chat to a chaplain is staffed by both English and Tagalog speakers, although this doesn't account for all the other nationalities currently working at sea. However, despite trying to cater for multiple languages, the reality is the same. Text-based encounters are much more difficult in terms of clarity and understanding. Things can be misinterpreted or missed. And as I've already said, with text-based encounters there is no audio cues. We cannot hear the emotion. And so we may not be able to hear if a person is happy or sad, angry or distressed. Neither can we see their body language or pick up on their demeanour. In addition, text-based communication can often feel impersonal because there is that lack of physical presence. We don't necessarily know anything about who we are talking to, so they could literally be anyone on the other end of that computer. And this makes the whole experience feel a bit strange, a 
bit weird. Of course, this too is amplified in times of crisis. Now, don't get me wrong. If text-based communication is all we have, it sure is better than nothing at all. But it just needs a few different skills to fully understand what is being said to us. And this leads me on to the tips and tricks section for today. As I've said earlier, two of the most critical things about working in the digital space is immediacy and expectation. In other words, knowing that your message has been received and that someone will respond. But text doesn't provide as many clues as to what is being communicated because it only makes up 7% of our communication, the content, and it's hugely impersonal. So tip number one, it's important to introduce ourselves and to let the person on the other end know that we are here and ready to help. If we know their name, we should use that as well because that can help to make that strong, immediate connection. Something like this could be said. Hi Deepesh, my name is Lance, how can I assist you today? Right away this tells the person sending that message that I'm a real person, that I'm available to them and that I'm here for them right now. Of course while it's important to make a connection we do need to balance that with keeping ourselves safe and not giving away too much information about ourselves. It's about balance, sharing what is appropriate. I think a good rule of thumb is to think about any interactions that you may have had through one of those online helps. Many online stores today have a chatbot or a real person waiting to help you via a chat window. And that's what chat to a chaplain is ostensibly. Think about what it was like for you if you have used something like this in the past, one of those chat windows, and also how the person on the other end of the line introduced themselves. Probably just using their Christian name. Tip number two is this. Try to reply promptly to any encounter. Now, now, I'm not just talking about their first initial contact. Obviously, we want to answer the message as soon as we can. But think about the duration of the conversation. Truth be told, we are not all quick on the keyboard. It takes time to compose a message and to check the spelling before we send it. I'm just going to take a slight tangent here because spelling mistakes can make us seem less professional. So it's really important to try and proof the message before you hit send. There are some really useful free tools available online, such as Grammarly, which can help with that. So try to ensure that what you say is written correctly, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But back to the main point. Because we are not all touch typists, it's important for the person on the other end to know that we're going to respond as quickly as we can. As such, maybe break your reply down into smaller bites and send these so that they aren't kept waiting while you type that 15-page response. Of course, the more breaks we make means that the person on the other end may come back to us before we've completed our original train of thought. So try to keep responses concise. Say what needs to be said as simply as possible. This helps keep the conversation moving, lets the person know that you're still there. Another idea that I noticed the other day when I was talking to my power company via an internet chat tool through one of those chat windows was that the person assisting me typed something like, just give me a couple of minutes while I look into that for you. This way, I wasn't sitting waiting, wondering if he had disappeared. I waited while he found what I needed, and it made the whole process a little easier for me. Tip number three. It's important we understand what is being asked of us. Before we rush into that response, I think it's perfectly fine to ask some clarifying questions. You could say something like, Deepesh, I want to be certain that I understand your situation a little bit better. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Something as simple as that does a couple of things. 
It means that you get a few more seconds to formulate the response to the overall issue, but it also means that the response can be as accurate as possible. For instance, the other day I was speaking to a seafarer who said to me that he had just finished a course and was having difficulty trying to get home. Now obviously international travel is really difficult right now. He also said that he was struggling financially now that the course was over and he was still needing to pay for accommodation and meals. So in my follow-up questions I asked him where he was and where he was wanting to get to and also what he had tried himself. In this instance he was in Scotland trying to get to India and he had tried a number of avenues that hadn't panned out. Now I live in New Zealand, which is a long way from Scotland, and I'm not fully aware of what helps or supports might be available in that country. So it was important for me to get as much information from the seafarer as possible, so that I could provide the best help to him that I could. As I'll explain shortly. So clarifying questions are important, so that we can get a clear indication of what is being asked of us. Once you have a good idea, it can also be useful to say something like, So Deepesh, if I have this right, what you are wanting help with today is this. And then you feed back to them what you think has been asked of you. This again shows that you care and that you are wanting to do the best that you can. It also allows the other person to correct you if you have misunderstood what they have been saying to you. Tip number four. I think that it's always better to under-promise and over-deliver particularly online. Let me explain. When someone is in need, our first response as people working in maritime ministry is to want to help, to offer an immediate solution. But the reality is this isn't always possible or practical. And we can't help everyone with everything they want. Equally, we may not know what is available to them where they are. So it's important to work within our own competence and to seek help where needed. In the situation with the seafarer in Scotland, he told me that he wanted to get home, and this is understandable, so I said something like this. I'm unsure what support might be available to you in the UK, but if you are okay with giving me your email address, then I will check with someone locally and get back to you as soon as possible. You see, living in New Zealand, I had no idea what supports were available to him in Scotland, so I needed to find some more information which wasn't available to me then and there, because, let's be honest, the UK was asleep when this chat was occurring. But notice the way I tried to say it. I said, I'm unsure what support might be available to you in the UK. And then later I said, I will check with someone locally and get back to you as soon as possible. Nowhere did I promise to get him home or even indicate that I would be able to help. But I did say that I would find out what I could. I showed that I cared and that I would look into his situation further. In reality, I was able to get back to him the very next day with some local connections. I was able to connect him with one of our Mission to Seafarers members on the ground, very near to where he was. And I was able to reach out to our team in London to see what resources were available to him, and they were able to access some financial support and get him home. I got this information and was able to relay it to him in under 12 hours. At the outset I said that I would look into it and get back to him as soon as possible, and in this instance I was able to respond to him very promptly. However, if I hadn't been able to get an answer within that time frame, I would have likely sent him a quick email to say that I was still working on it and that I would get back to him as soon as I could. Because huge gaps waiting when you are in need only adds to the stress. We don't want to leave people hanging. Tip number five. This one's a no-brainer. Always remain polite and professional. People in need can at times get angry and we need to keep our cool. You could say something like, I'm really sorry to hear that, or 
I understand how frustrating it must be for you right now. The key thing is to try and calm situations down and use empathy and compassion. The person on the other end may seem angry or be telling you a really awful story. And we have to remember that people can react badly when they are under stress. It isn't personal and our job ultimately is to try and listen and try to help where possible. Which leads me to my next tip, number six. Today, emojis, emoticons and text abbreviations are great devices when communicating online. LOL. But they can be lost in translation, literally. Because not everyone is tech savvy. In addition, every smart device has a different setup. So they aren't all the same. A frown face, for instance, on Apple becomes an angry face on Samsung. So we can inadvertently communicate the wrong message without even knowing it. That said, emojis and emoticons can express emotions easily and can help us to understand a little of what the other person is trying to say. So do be careful with the use of these shortcuts and try to get a handle on what some of the common ones might mean so that you have a better understanding of what the other person might be trying to say to you. And there are plenty of free online emoji dictionaries. Just check Google. Similarly, always check that your cap locks are not engaged because this is universally understood to indicate that you're either yelling or that you're very angry and probably not what you're wanting to communicate through a digital chaplaincy platform. Of course, this is another reason why you will want to proofread before you hit send to any message. I said I'd circle back to this. You see, it ensures that you catch any of those pesky auto errors that always seem to happen. You know, when you type one thing and the device autocorrects something else, or ensures that those cap locks aren't on or that you haven't said something inappropriate. And finally, tip seven. In the same way that it's important to consider how you start a conversation and how you introduce yourself, it's equally important to finish well and to indicate that the conversation has come to an end. One way that you could do this, again borrowing from an online chat window that I've interacted with, is to say something like, Deepesh, is there anything else that I can help you with today? Or, thanks for chatting with me today. Is that everything that I can help you with? Is there anything that I could do to improve things for the next time when chatting with another seafarer? These are two examples of ways to draw a conversation to a close. Both ask if there's anything else that hasn't been covered, and the second example shows that you want to always do better. What both do is that they show that the conversation is coming to an end. I know that when I have used a chatbot online with a local store, often they will finish with something like, have a great day. And this simply may not be appropriate when someone is in need. Instead, you could say, it's been great talking to you today. I hope that this has been helpful to you. Of course, don't forget to say goodbye. One thing that we haven't covered today is what to do if someone is in imminent danger, particularly if they are at risk of self-harm or having thoughts of suicide. Now this will be the focus of an upcoming podcast, so be sure to subscribe to As The Crow Flies wherever you are listening so that you won't miss that episode when it airs. However, the key thing to remember is that when someone is in danger, it is important to get them help as quickly as possible. And this will require knowing who they are and where they are. Now one of the key things to know, particularly when it relates to suicide, is this. The overwhelming majority of people do not want to die. They simply feel overcome with what is causing them pressure right now. And talking helps. Sometimes simply naming it for what it is takes the immediacy away. In addition, looking at ways that the person can keep themselves safe for now is also important. A question like, what could you do right now to keep yourself safe until we can get some help to you, is likely to open up some options for the person that you are speaking to.
Of course, one of the advantages of digital chaplaincy that I mentioned earlier can also be one of its greatest disadvantages, and that is anonymity. If someone doesn't want to tell you who they are or where they are, then there is very little that we can do about that. In the episode on suicide and mental health, we will tackle this in greater depth and consider ways that we can work with someone until we can get them to professional help. Also, in another upcoming episode, we will focus on another important aspect of this work, which relates specifically to dealing with people in crisis, and that is self-care. What we need to do to keep ourselves safe and to process the situations that cause us concern. So do remember to subscribe to this podcast for these great upcoming episodes. Now before we go, some useful resources, some final thoughts, and something a little bit different. If today's podcast has been helpful to you, then you might also like to check out a podcast from Harvard Business Review in their HBR Ideacast series, particularly episode 655 of HBR Ideacast, which is entitled Avoiding Miscommunication in a Digital World. This has a slightly different take on things and is filled with some great nuggets of information that you could find very helpful. Something that might also be of value is the University of York's free online digital well-being course. Search for it on Google. This is a great course which is free, it's delivered online and is designed for anyone using the internet. While it is not specifically focused on how to support others online through something like the mission to seafarers chat to a chaplain, it will give you some great tools for all aspects of your own online life, both personal and professional. And in it you will find some great tools and ideas to apply to any other digital chaplaincy platform that you may use going forward. You could also check out Helen Morris Brown's TED talk entitled The Psychology of Communicating Effectively in a Digital World. You can find this on YouTube. It's both funny and insightful. So final thoughts for today. In a day and age when we have greater access to technology than ever before, we are all needing to reconsider how we communicate through digital means. We all need to be heard and understood, and in order for this to happen we need to consider how better to hear and understand those who are communicating with us. At the end of the day the internet is just a tool, it's how we use it that matters. Now for something a little different. In his book of prayers and poems entitled Prayers for a Privileged People, the great writer and theologian Walter Brueggemann has this to say in his poem Hearing Better Voices. We make a pause amid many voices, some innocent and some seductive, some violent and some coercive, some forgiven and genuine, some not. Amid this cacophony that pulls us in many directions, we have these old voices of your prophets. These voices attest to your fierce self, your severe summons, your generous promise, your abiding presence. Give us good ears, perchance you have a word for us tonight. Give us grace and courage to listen, to answer, to care, and to rejoice, that we may be more fully your people. May we continue to be people with good ears as we listen to the cares and concerns of the Maritime's most vulnerable, the men and women who work as merchant seafarers. So thanks for joining me in this episode of As the Crow Flies. Today we thought about the ever-growing world of digital chaplaincy and ways to navigate it successfully. If this has been useful to you, then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us for future episodes. Equally, if it has been useful, then consider giving us a review. 
so that we can continue to provide the sorts of topics and information that can help you to be better at what you do on the front lines of maritime ministry. So thanks for listening and for joining me on the journey. Thanks too for all you do to make the lives of seafarers better. Join me next time as the crow flies. As the Crow Flies was made possible through the generous financial support of the Mission to Seafarers. The theme music is called Carefree. It is royalty-free music which was written and performed by Kevin MacLeod and made available through filmmusic.io.